Hey everybody, this is Josh McKinney, and I just want to welcome you to episode 64 of the I Suck at Jiu-Jitsu show. You know, you can... Now, today, we're going to do something we've done it a few times, but we're going to piggyback last week's episode. Uh, so last week, I talked about the three reasons that people quit jujitsu and how to combat them. I was really surprised with how many views, how many comments we got and, and uh, listens that we got on that episode. Actually, that was our most listened to episode ever that wasn't a, an interview. And uh, obviously some reason is probably that it, the show is just getting more traction, but uh, people were commenting and messaging me that I don't know if they, I really don't think that they listen to the show very consistently. It just kind of caught their eye. And I really believe the reason that that happened is because quitting jujitsu is something that is not talked about very often, but is a struggle of a lot of different people. And uh, I, I thought I would do something to piggyback that episode and tell you guys a story uh, from my past uh, when I was a pro belt, when I actually wanted to quit jujitsu. I know on the show, everything's always positive and I'm always like uh, excited and people like that. But sometimes uh, maybe I don't tell you guys as much about some of the struggles that I went through coming up into jujitsu. And that's like my bad because it, it can be really sucky if a black belt's like, oh yeah, everything is rainbows and sunshine. And then you are like, I, I dealt with some stuff and no one else has ever gone through this. I'm the only one, but it's really important to know that you're not the only one. And so I thought I would tell you guys this story and um, kind of give you some pointers uh, to, to avoid some of the pitfalls that I went through, uh, that I dealt with. Uh, before we get into that, be sure if you guys didn't know we have, I think, three days left uh, from when this episode will be released. Uh, so September 17th will be the last day that you can get 40% off of simplifying takedowns for BJJ. Uh, this was done, um, we uh, worked with my coach on it and uh, he is one of the best takedown artists. I wouldn't say wrestlers um, because can you really call it wrestling if it's in the gi, right? Uh, just one of the best takedown artists that I know, one of the best teachers that I know, and he has fought in the UFC. He has won at the highest levels of jujitsu. Uh, he's a third degree black belt, and he is known for having some of the best takedowns in jujitsu. He's got a 76% takedown rate, which is insane if you think, like for competitive jujitsu, not like, hey, at the gym, I'm rolling with my white belts. I take them down three quarters of the time. No, against other black belts. And uh, he put together a simplifying takedowns for BJJ at simplifyingjujitsu.com, 40% off for the next three days. And the idea here is uh, it's from the beginning. You, you're taught like, hey, uh, shoot a double leg disconnected. That's what you're taught with wrestling most of the time. And then you shoot a double leg disconnected. You've never wrestled in your life. You're not a great athlete. You get sprawled on and you said, hey, I'm never gonna do that again. Well, this instructional, this course is not like that. Uh, it starts with stance. Just to know how to stand uh, is something that a lot of people don't know. And then it goes into grips and then it goes into some takedowns off of grips that 
aren't going to risk injuring your neck, that aren't going to risk injuring your knees, uh, that are safe and that work at a really high level. So like I said, three days left, simplifyingjujutsu.com. Uh, there will be a link in the description, whatever you are watching or listening to this episode on. Uh, be sure to get your guys' copy. But back to, actually back to simplifying jujutsu. Uh, something I talked about, you know, the story I talked about in my simplifying jujutsu ebook. Uh, I, I wrote that ebook. Um, it was actually uh, uh, Chewy from Chujutsu, uh, YouTube channel, podcast, all kinds of different stuff. He's been on my show. Uh, he's one of my buddies and he helped me. He explained to me how to write. I've never written anything in my life. And I wrote that ebook and a lot of people have read it, but uh, he said to tell a story. So tell a story uh, about a quest that you went on. And um, so I, I really lightly tell the story about when I wanted to quit Jujutsu. And uh, I don't get as in detail as I will for today and explain. Uh, I, I kind of just gloss over that part so then we can get into the good stuff, right? But uh, it isn't all good stuff. So for me, uh, I started Jujutsu to lose weight. When I was a white belt, I started Jujutsu. I'm going to lose weight. It happened in like six months, right? Uh, Jujutsu is cool like that. You're able to accomplish those goals very quickly a lot of times. And um, I never really had a big group of friends. I never really had a lot of friends at all. And I started to get friends in Jujutsu and I uh, started competing uh, all through white belt. I was competing. Uh, I got my blue belt and then something horrible happened. I got really good at Jujutsu. I was beating everybody that I trained with. Um, you know, I was in the Midwest. So even having a blue belt wasn't super common. There wasn't a ton of guys that were, uh, that you were getting to train with that were purple belts and brown belts or black belts. And so it was tough. Uh, I was always like kind of the best guy at the gym and ego wise, that makes you feel great. But progression wise, it can be much harder. Uh, lucky for me, I just would skip school and train all day. So I was getting enough training in and for uh, about a year and a half, I didn't lose a, a match in jujitsu. I was like dominating everything I was doing. I was only like 17 at the time, but I was competing as a teen and an adult at a lot of different tournaments and I was winning everything. And uh, I thought I had it all figured out. I thought things were going to be like this forever. I was just always going to be at the top of every single belt. And then I got my purple belt and first tournament into purple belt. I did really well. Uh, I, I think I got, I got second at Chicago Open. I won like five matches and I lost in the final uh, and I was winning the match. I just lost. Well, as uh, you know, I, I got my purple belt when I turned 18. I was right. You know what I mean? It was one of those kids that when it was legal for me to have my purple belt, I was a purple belt. And uh, I think the rule is changed now. I think you can actually get your purple belt before 18 now. Um, I'm pretty sure I'm not 100% sure, but I'm pretty sure, uh, someone's saying, I think you can skip blue belt now, uh, if you have went through the whole kid's belt system. Uh, but who knows? I, I don't care. Regardless, I got it when I was 18, when I was 18, I graduated high school. I had to get a job. I had to start to work. And so I became a personal trainer. I was working quite a bit and it really made it harder for me to train. And guess what? The kid that could just rely on just being getting tons of mat time, I started losing. Uh, I, I actually went like, I almost want to say it was like two years without, uh, 
without even making it to the finals of a tournament. Um, I would like win match and then lose a match, win a match and then lose a match. And it was like happening so often. And it was really, really discouraging for me, especially because I had had so much success early on. And you know, I had these goals that I wanted to uh, be one of the best grapplers in the world. And I didn't want to leave. That was really important to me. I didn't want to go uh, to one of the coasts to train. I wanted to train and live. Uh, you know, I'm from St. Louis and I wanted to be there. That's where I wanted to train. That's where I wanted to live. And it got to a point, uh, um, this was also kind of a side, side story, is uh, my, my coach's gym was in the city. Um, you know, it's a bigger city and it was right next to a college. So most of the students that he got were people that were going to college. The problem with getting students that go to college is you get a blue belt that comes in and then they get really good and they become a purple belt and then they move away. And it was happening. I was losing training partners uh, a lot. I can think back to some of like my best training partners at purple belt and they were there for a year and then they were gone and it was, it felt like it was just me again. And uh, I remember uh, just down to a, a specific day, a specific point, uh, I had lost another tournament. I like, I, it was, I think I'd lost to something I'd beaten as a blue belt. And I was just so discouraged. And I went to my, uh, my now wife, she was my girlfriend at the time. And I just said, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. I just, I, I just, I don't have time. I don't have time to train and I want to win. I don't want to compete. I, it, 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 honestly, in my mind, I was sure that I didn't want to compete anymore. Um, but then I was like, if I'm not competing, do I even want to do jiu-jitsu anymore? And it was frustrating. It was, it was uh, this tough thing. And uh, I just remember, you know, I was like, I, I don't want to compete anymore. And I just remember she said, you don't have to. And it was a really eye-opening uh, statement for me because I kind of always thought I did. I thought I had to compete. I thought I had to go out and win tournaments. And just understanding that was huge for me. Just understanding like, oh, it doesn't really matter. It's okay. Uh, that was a really big point for me, but still I struggled. And I struggled all the way up until uh, when I made the decision to open my school. I opened my school when I was late in Purple Belt. And it was like this slow process where I wasn't competing as much. Um, I just wasn't enjoying things as much. Uh, and I started teaching and that was fun. That was something that was really enjoying, uh, enjoyable for me. And I probably could have just gotten away with doing that forever, but I just had that desire to compete still. And I knew if I was going to compete, I had to surround myself with uh, with, with people that have done it, done what I was trying to accomplish. And that's actually, uh, we always talk about our crew that we have, you know, we reference it on the podcast. I've interviewed everybody, uh, on that crew being my coach, Kyle, uh, junior Silva, Nick Sanders, uh, Ezra Lennon, you know, those are kind of like the core group of guys, uh, Jeff Scholes, who just moved away because everybody moves away from me. And that's why I have abandonment issues. And, uh, uh, actually I've never interviewed, now that I think about it, I've never interviewed Luigi Florabonte, which who I should, uh, he fought in the UFC a ton of times, fought a ton of huge names. Uh, and he's a really good, funny dude. You guys would really like him. Make a mental note of that. You guys remind me note to self, but to you guys remind me that I need to message Luigi 
or just talk to him next time I see him and get him on the podcast. But that's where all that started was uh, just knowing I needed to surround myself with these guys. And we were all on different teams at the time. You know, now a lot of us are tag team, but we're all on different teams. And uh, it just started on like Thursday mornings at my gym, which was really random. It was like a day that I worked early morning. And then at like nine, uh, I got off. Uh, and then I would just go right to the jujitsu room and train jujitsu. Well, we got a really good crew and I started to get better. I started to get better and I started to have success again as a competitor. And actually we all started to have success again as competitors um, or more success as competitors. Some of the guys were still crushing it, doing really well. And um, that is like, in looking back, I look back to that conversation I had with my wife and I look back to uh, kind of breaking the barriers of training with people that weren't my, uh, that weren't on my team. And that was, uh, the reason that I'm here without a doubt. I don't think I would be dead, but I don't think that I would be doing jujitsu. And I know for a fact that I would not be contributing back to jujitsu in the way that I am now. Uh, and so there are kind of, you know, and I, I kind of was specific on the story this time, right? I, I talked a lot. In, in the story, but there were kind of five points that I identified, that I looked at, uh, that I think if you are going through uh, a burnout phase of jujitsu, if you're struggling kind of knowing what you want to do with jujitsu, uh, I think that there are five points that you can grab that will be really, really beneficial for you. And they're really simple. So the first thing is you need to talk to somebody. If you are burnt out in jujitsu, look, Jiu-jitsu is so much for our mental health. Most of us do jujitsu for mental health. Uh, it makes us sane. And uh, if you lose that, if you stop training, if you lose that, it, it can really cause depression. It can really cause uh, or exasperate depression. Maybe not cause, uh, but it can really make things harder again for you. You know, we want to keep you. We want you to stay in jujitsu. So the first thing I would say is admit it to somebody, talk to somebody. You know, I talked to, um, like I said, my wife at the time, not at the time. She wasn't my wife at the time. She was my girlfriend at the time. She's my wife now, um, at least as far as I know. I haven't seen her today now that I mention it, but yeah, as far as I know, she's still my wife. Uh, but the, the, the first thing you do is you talk to somebody. I would actually recommend probably talking to somebody that does jujitsu. Uh, my wife didn't do jujitsu at the time but I think it would make more sense. Uh, talk to one of your jujitsu friends and say, man, I'm really struggling with this. I really, I don't know what I want to do anymore. And don't do it from a negative standpoint. Don't be like, oh, I hate jujitsu or something like that. Just, just be honest and say, man, I'm, I'm struggling here. Maybe you do hate jujitsu. Maybe you resent it for some reason. You, you can be honest and say, hey, I'm, I'm really struggling. I just don't, I don't have this love for it anymore. Uh, and you, know, you talk to your coach about it and you know, the only thing about talking to your coach is some coaches get worried about it business-wise. Oh no, I can't lose a student. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, if you have a good relationship with your coach, you can talk to your coach about it. If you feel like maybe you don't have that relationship with your coach, you should talk to a training partner uh, about it. And that just kind of lets you know that you can identify like, hey, I am struggling here. Um, I don't want to lie to myself. I'm struggling to keep training. Next, I would say, uh, and this is really important, remember why you fell in love with jiu-jitsu in the first place. I didn't fall in love with jiu-jitsu uh, to be a world champion, to be a competitor. I fell in love with jiu-jitsu because 
I didn't have friends. And it was this place that I got to have friends and I got to be around a bunch of really cool guys. You know, I was young at the time and, uh, you know, I was 14 and I got to be around all these cool guys and it was fun. And if I quit jujitsu, I would lose that. I would lose that camaraderie that I get, uh, that I've fallen in love with. Uh, and, and then next, I would say, uh, you need to identify your goals in jujitsu. And we talked about this uh, a lot in the last episode, but you identify your goals and you be honest about them. My goal was to be on the podium at the world championships at some belt. I missed it from white, blue, purple, and brown. If I'm going to do it, I got to do it at black. And it's very scary to admit that because if you admit your goal and you fail, well, then you're a failure. If you just keep your goal a secret, you're still a failure, but nobody else knows but you. Uh, so that's what happens. Like, that's why people don't admit to themselves. Like, I want to be really good at jujitsu. Go out and be good at jujitsu. Now you say, how do I do that though? If my goal is to be a world champion, how do I do it? When you're remembering your goals, maybe your goal is just to have great self-defense. Maybe your goal is to fight MMA. You guys know that I would recommend you to not do that because of brain damage. But if that's your goal, if that's why you're there, you kind of have to do it, man. You got you got to push through your goal. Uh, but you uh, to, to do that, you find somebody who has done it. Uh, for me, uh, it, it, we start training on Thursdays and um, I get around this guy. Uh, his name's Ezra Lennon. He's been on the show. And he, at the time, he, he'd never, uh, he never meddled at Worlds in the Gi, uh, but he, at the time, um, was known locally for being this really good Nogi guy. He had um, made it to ADCC twice. He was invited once. He had qualified once. And he uh, had some, like, huge wins. He had beat, like, Dean – no, he lost to Dean Lister. Sorry. Sorry, Ezra. Um, he was actually, like, he was beating Dean Lister. He got heel hooked in, like, the last second. He talked about that on our episode. But uh, he beat Pablo Popovich. Uh, that is somebody he actually beat. And uh, uh, he had beaten some really big names in jujitsu. He's a really good competitor. But the big thing was he was local. He was in from the same city that I was from. He dealt with the same lack of training partners that I dealt with, but somehow he overcame it. And so you find somebody that does it, and then you just follow them around and ask them questions. Most people are willing to give away their questions for free. This is actually something I got from, uh, I don't know if you guys are football fans, but uh, Julian Edelman, who is like uh, known for being one of the best wide receivers in football now, he was not a wide receiver in college. He was a quarterback and he was a pretty good quarterback, but he was too small to play in the NFL. And so he sent out switch positions. I'm a good athlete. I will play wide receiver. He gets drafted by the Patriots uh, and he was a super late round draft pick. And at the time, Wes Welker was the best short white wide receiver in the NFL and he played for the Patriots and Wes Welker has a story where he says Julian Edelman kept following me around and it was so annoying he said he would try to eat everything I ate he would try to ask me about hey uh, when you're running this route what are you doing on this hey when you're doing this what are you thinking about on this and he kept asking a ton of questions and he said but that's why he got good and I decided you know hey uh, this, this Ezra guy is really good and he's gotten to where I want to be. He's a little older than me. Uh, I want to figure out what he's done. And so I started to follow him around. Ezra's nuts. Uh, definitely should not be a person that you should make your idol. 
so just note that. But when it comes to jujitsu, he accomplished some of the things that I really wanted to. And so that's what I did. I started to ask him questions every chance I got, uh, invite him to every training session, ask him, hey, when are you training? Can I come? And uh, it started to get me better at jujitsu. It gave me that focus. And then this is the most important thing. This is point number five. The first one is you talk to somebody. Second one is you remember why you started jujitsu. Third, you identify your goals. Fourth, you find somebody that has accomplished or gotten close, done something close to those goals. You ask them questions, you follow them around, uh, you be annoying to them. And then the fifth one, and this was the most important for me, you stop making excuses. And uh, that was something that I did. I lived off of while I'm losing because I don't have the training partners. I need to make excuses, that's my own fault. Uh, if I don't have the training partners, I could do what I did. I could find guys locally to train with, even though we were on different teams, uh, and figure out a way to get them to train. Or you can leave. You can go and go to a different place to train. You can find a different school. The A lot of guys that are really good in jujitsu now, uh, they left their original place. I don't think – I think there's a big stigma around it. I don't personally think it's wrong if one of my students – um, was a blue or a purple belt and said, Hey, I, I really, I don't think that, uh, I'm going to get to where I need to be by staying in St. Louis. I want to go to California. I want to train at autos. I would do everything I could to help them. Uh, I would do everything I could to push them there because, uh, you gotta, you gotta take the risk. You don't want to live your life and say, man, I wonder what would have happened had I moved. I wonder where I would be at right now. Uh, you take those risks, you, you, but you don't make excuses on it. You have to understand, dude, these things, uh, they're nobody else's job to fix, but yours. And when I understood that, when I started doing that, it made the ultimate difference for me, uh, for jujitsu. I still have not placed at the world championships. I haven't actually even gotten to compete at the world championships yet at black belt. Uh, I missed by like, I don't remember, like, five points or something, something really, really small for only having a few months to uh, try to qualify last year. Uh, you know, cause I got my black belt in December and then I only had like, I guess three months. I got my black belt when I was injured. And then I had February to March, April, May. I had like February to the beginning of May to qualify. I almost made it. I was really close to qualifying. Uh, and then this year I would have definitely qualified. And then there was the pandemic and I couldn't qualify uh, and uh, there is no world. So uh, maybe if they do worlds, I'll get the chance to, but I haven't even gotten the, the opportunity to do it. But one thing I know is whether I succeed in that goal or whether I fail, I'm not going to regret it because I have went really hard. I have pushed everything uh, to get to that goal. Having a goal is huge. Um, and then making the decisions that you're not going to make any excuses, you're going to take responsibility and go after it is even bigger, even huger, if you will. And uh, I think that is uh, where I will leave you guys in that story, in the what to do about jujitsu burnout. And uh, I hope this is helpful for you guys. I hope it just kind of reminds you guys that, hey, everybody struggles uh, in jujitsu. Everybody deals with these type of things. Uh, you're not alone, but there are ways to overcome it. And uh, if you guys have a 
personal story because I actually had quite a few people share them uh, last week when I posted uh, this episode, be sure to either send it to me, put it in the comments, something like that personal story about you overcoming burnout. I think it could be so helpful to other people that are burnt out on jujitsu right now. Uh, so like I said, if, and if you want, if you don't want people to know it's about you, send it to me on my Instagram at the Josh McKinney, and I will, uh, I, I'll figure out a way to share it probably on an episode. Um, but, uh, just figure out a way to share it, uh, anonymously. That was the word I was trying to think of, and honestly. Uh, and I think it would be really cool. I think it would be really helpful for a lot of people. I know at the time, if I was a pro well, it would have been really, really helpful to me just to know that other people were struggling with this stuff too. So that is where I will leave you guys. I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. I hope you guys check out three days left, 40% off of Simplifying Takedowns. That is at simplifyingjujutsu.com. Uh, of course, there will be a link in the description. And most importantly, I hope that you guys suck just a little bit less at jujutsu.